Welcome to the Holly Springs Deep Dive Podcast. I'm going to be honest, listeners. Holly Springs has been a tale of two towns lately. In one Holly Springs, there have been exciting announcements about big new companies building here, skyrocketing property values, and the recent naming of North Carolina by CNBC as the number one state for business in 2022. That's great, isn't it? Of course it is. But the other Holly Springs continues to deal with intolerance, bigotry, discrimination, and a seemingly well-thought-out plan by some of our elected officials and citizens to keep it that way. Personally, I've been really sad and mad and feeling all sorts of ways about it. I've been to protests, attended town council meetings. I've emailed the people who are supposed to represent me and my neighbors. I've talked to the mayor on the phone about my disappointment and how he and most of town council have been making decisions, all apparently for nothing. Back to that CNBC announcement that North Carolina is the best state in the country for business. We did have one strike against us. It's buried under all the good things they said about North Carolina. Guess what it is? We rank in the lower half of our 50 states for life, health, and inclusion. Sounds like Holly Springs is a microcosm of what's right and wrong with North Carolina. We need to do better. To that end, I want to introduce you to someone that you might not already know. They're a wonderful whip-smart, engaged, funny, dedicated, tax-paying, homeowning, family-supporting voter who happens to be non-binary. Now, I understand that when people hate, it's usually connected to fear. I want you to listen to this person. I want you to let them shine and show you they're nothing to be afraid of. You're really missing out if you exclude the entire group of LGBTQIA plus people from your life. I know that my life is absolutely richer because of people like this episode's guest. Before we get started, I do want to thank my Patreon supporters. I appreciate that you see the need for hyper-local news and insight like I do. Thank you to my newest patrons, Nikki, Charles, David, Margaret, Linda, and Kenneth. I couldn't do this without you. If you'd like to support my efforts in putting this podcast out there, click the Patreon link on my website at hollyspringsdeepdive.com. Ready to meet one of the coolest, kindest people in Holly Springs? Meet Jackie. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. I am excited to introduce you to a new friend of mine. I hope you consider me a friend, but um, a new friend of mine. Jack Turnwald. Welcome to the show, Jack. Hi, nice to be here. And uh, absolutely, of course, I'm happy to be making friends here in Holly Springs, been meeting a lot of new people and uh, appreciate the invitation to join you. So you, um, I can call you Jack or Jackie, is that right? That's correct. I want to make sure that I call you the name that you prefer. Yes, Jack or Jackie and my pronouns are they, them. Okay. Um, Yeah, every time somebody calls me by the wrong name, well, in this current environment, I'm really happy about it because being named Karen sucks right now. But if somebody (laughs) calls me by the wrong name, I'm like, look, I have been called way worse. So I just, (laughs) I want to call you what you want to be called. (laughs) Yeah. As an educator, I've always found it important to be clear that we honor people's names, that we learn to pronounce them correctly, um, that a person's name is an important part of who they are. It is. Um, I, I work really hard on that, too. Um, try not to get too far off on a chan- tangent. I work up at NC State University, and there are a lot of um, international people there, and they shorten mm-hmm. their names and all kinds of stuff just to make it easier for us to say 
And I hate that they feel like they have to do that. Yes. Um, and I try really hard to pronounce their name the way that, you know, their friends and family do. Yeah. I've always been real particular about asking kids to, are you telling me to call you that because that's what you want or because you think it will be more comfortable for me? Because I want to make sure that I'm calling you what you want. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, you sound like a nice person and I appreciate that about you. You have that vibe. I can, I can tell you that. I do try. I absolutely try. <laughs> we're, we're in a tough climate uh, for yeah. for being kind and receiving kindness, honestly. Um, yeah. It's a lot of heightened emotions, um, mm-hmm. but I, I try to center myself in kindness, compassion. Certainly, we all feel frustrations and have to express them, um, but uh, I, I hope to continue to be rooted in that place. Well, the reason that I wanted to talk to you is because you are a member of the LGBTQIA plus community here in Holly Springs, and there are a lot of folks in that community here. And if you aren't in that community yourself, you're either related to someone who is or you love somebody who is or you're friends with somebody who is. Um, I feel like it's a one degree of separation with cisgendered uh, hetero people and LGBTQIA folks for sure in this town. Absolutely. I was going to say, and the more I get to know people, the more I'm hearing people's personal stories, um, their colleagues, their friends, their children, um, or themselves. Um, And their parents and parents. Yes. I mean, absolutely. People come out at all ages. That is very true. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about um, you moving to Holly Springs. How long have you lived Mm -hmm. here? So I've been here since about October. Prior to that, I was kind of back and forth. Um, I lived in Durham really for a little over the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my partner is located here in Holly Springs. And um, their kids also go to school here. Um, so in order for us to be together uh, and be a family and uh, kind of actually we're a four-parent family in that regard, um, I needed to be here. It made more sense. Um and uh, it certainly wasn't going to be the expectation that we were going to try and move the kids at this point in their education, anything along those lines. Um, so it made sense for me to to be here. I wish that your experience had been 100% positive. Um, and I hope that you're able as much as possible to focus on all of the nice people you've met because I've seen you around and I've seen you talking to some really cool people I know Um to be nice and all of the good things, but I know that you have had some things that have happened that have not been great. Would would you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, So absolutely. Since I've been in Holly Springs, you know, my partner already had an established group of friends uh, in our neighborhood and lots of people have been very kind and welcoming um, and have enjoyed the company of those folks. Um, But of course, there's also been some difficulties. Um, You know, my partner and I both came out uh, fairly late in life. Um, And so for both of us, uh, many of the people that we had known for some time had known us as um, straight. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes you see attitudes shift um, once you come out or people kind of pull away. um, And that's always hard to process. Um, 
but uh, some of the more specific things that have happened, um, you know, we've gone to our kids' sporting events. Um, and in one case, we had an individual who showed up at the event and kind of stepped in front of us while we were on the sidelines trying to watch our kids play. Um, and uh, it was a, a whole group of uh, young men. Um, and we asked if they would not stand in front of us because we were trying to watch our kids play the game. Um, and the young man threatened to uh, fight us. Um, and it was interesting and kind of clear that he had a negative stance towards the LGBTQ community, particularly because he was wearing a sweatshirt that said LGBTQ, but it spelled out, let's get Biden to quit. Oh. Um, and so it clearly wasn't in support of the LGBTQ community. Um And of course, um, that was absolutely concerning to be approached in that way. Um, He did back down um, and eventually moved away uh, from the area that we were standing. But it's hard to show up to a space simply as yourself um, and feel threatened. (laughs) Um, In addition to that, uh, we've had some young children in the neighborhood make some inappropriate comments to our own children. Um, They had issues with the fact that I am non-binary and expressed that uh, basically I couldn't really be a human being if I'm not a girl or a boy. (laughs) Um, Said some rather dehumanizing things about me um, that upset uh, one of our kids. And, um, And you said this was a child who said this to you, a child? A child who said it to our child, yes. And about how old was this little um, person? I I think around six, um, not very old at all, which is, okay. of course, always concerning mm-hmm. um, to hear that kind of thought process coming out of the mouth of a child is usually being repeated from an adult. Right, um, right. That's what I was going to say. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, of course that was a concern for us. Um, Mm -hmm. And the child also expressed that their parent hates gay people. Um, And so, you know, our, our child had concerns about those things being expressed to them and what the sentiment was towards a family like ours. Mm -hmm. Um, And then later uh, that same child convinced another child in the neighborhood to throw pine cones at our windows. Now, of course the other child didn't know, what the motivation was there. <laughs> um, and it's just an opportunity could, to throw stuff. <laughs> right. Um, so a kid being a kid, but that's also how things sort of escalate um, with some of these behaviors. And so, you know, that was really disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, how did that feel? I mean, you it's, you know, it's easy to kind of generalize and say disappointed, but just, as a human sure. being, how did that feel? That must just feel wretched. Absolutely. You know, you live in a neighborhood. Um, you want to be friendly with folks. You want to expect or, or hope that the people living around you uh, just have general respect for your humanity. Um, you know, frankly, the family that it came from has never actually had a conversation with us. Um And so I'm like, uh, it saddens me that people have somewhere in their life experienced some form of miseducation or 
uh, some negative lived experience where they have developed a bias, um, a harmful bias towards a group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to unpack those biases if you don't actually have real chances to interact with people because they've already created a wall about who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's part of why I work really hard to continue to engage with people, even though sometimes it is emotionally draining, <laughs> um, and also potentially dangerous for someone like me. Right. Um, because one doesn't really know actually when someone who has developed these negative biases might actually act out in a violent way. Um, And we've seen that unfortunately across this country Mm -hmm. and situations like the Buffalo shooting where, you know, the young man involved in that had very clear uh, racist beliefs that he had developed. um, And that was a part of where his violence came from. Um, so when you see those kind of biases in society or, and, and are facing them as a family, as an individual, um, yeah, it's scary. So how did you talk your, your kids through that interaction? What, what kinds of, what do you say to them? Well, I think just like anything, when you're talking with kids or adults with their emotions, um, we honored what they're feeling as valid um, to be upset or to be hurt or um, to not really want to <laughs> hang out with people who are speaking negatively about our family. Um, you know, and we also talked about the fact that, you know, young kids saying things like that is usually a reflection of things they're hearing from adults Um you know, we try and make it a teachable moment um, to talk about the way we navigate the world. There are always going to be hard situations. There are always going to be people who um, present challenges to interact with. Um, and so we have those conversations. That's that's a part of that. But more than anything, we honor the boundaries that our kids want to have as a result of encountering something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not going to say, well, you need to make peace with, you know, this kid and play with them and all of that. That's, yeah. Right. Like, if anything, there's going to be a conversation between adults there about what's occurring, but that's not a thing that children should have to resolve on their own. Right. Hmm. I hate that for for both, for all of you. That that sure. just sucks. That sucks. Yeah. <sighs> Absolutely. I don't even know what to say after that. <laughs> yeah. So, so one um, another thing that I've already found out about you is that you are or were a teacher. Did you recently um, leave teaching? I did recently leave teaching. Um, okay. So at the end of the school year, after mm-hmm. 19 years, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a hard decision. Uh, it's a thing that I have committed a huge portion of my life to, and. Um, done a lot of great work with kids that I absolutely loved doing. Um, but having come out as a trans non-binary person, um, it actually kind of really highlights the privileged knapsack <laughs> that people talk about. Um, so certainly um, prior to coming out, I experienced the privilege that uh, straight cis uh 
female um, of <laughs> moderate means <laughs> would experience in mm-hmm. our society. And um, oftentimes, you know, because I'm well credentialed and uh, had been doing a thing for some time, you know, my experience was acknowledged. Um, people listened to me. <laughs> um, and then I came out <laughs> as trans non-binary and um, a lot of that ground started to shift (laughs) Um, and particularly issues that I advocated for um, previously. I had always been an ally of the LGBTQ community. um, (laughs) And I was like, yeah, kids come out to me all the time. I'm a really good ally. It's funny that my kids could see me before I could see myself. Um, (laughs) But ultimately, you know, so Having been an ally for a long time, I had often advocated. Um, I had talked with administrators in situations where um, a student was being disciplined and potentially that call home might out them to a parent who they had expressed was potentially hostile to their queerness, who they were not out to. Um, and had to have a lot of hard conversations, both with adults and with kids. Um, and when I came out, I discovered that the same conversations that I could have, the same issues that I had previously been able to bring up and advocate for, suddenly became about my identity. And so instead of seeing me as saying, you know, we need to look at this issue, this policy or this situation in order to best serve this student who is queer. Instead, people were like, well, this is a you issue because you are queer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there was like less interest in hearing what I had to say, uh, presumably. I was going to ask you if you found it easier to advocate for your students than you do for yourself. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, and, and, and there's such a distinct difference too, because again, in advocating for myself, um, the, the lens really gets turned on my identity. Um, and I've been asked uh, by employers, things like, are you still settling into your trans identity? Um, or if you bring up an issue about, queer discrimination in the workplace um, to be asked a question like, have you had this problem at other workplaces? And it's like, well, how is that question actually relevant to the situation at hand? It happened here. Does it matter? (laughs) Right. So when we turn the lens on, on someone's personal identity, instead of the actual situation, it allows us to basically not be held accountable for the situation. We make it about them instead of about what has actually occurred. And a similar thing happens uh, to people of color all the time when they're told, Oh, why are you always playing the race card when they bring up a situation that is race related in Mm -hmm. the workplace or in their community? Um, And because they're a person of color, (laughs) it becomes about their identity it's not a card. It's their lived experience. This is the lived experience of this person. And so instead of making it about their identity, let's make it about the problem that's happening. Mm -hmm. Well, I would imagine that. Okay. So what, what did you teach? 
high school English. So okay. um, over the course of 19 years, I have taught American lit, Brit lit, um, world lit, um, full genre study, creative writing, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I would imagine teaching that demographic of kid that a lot of kids come out in their teen years. So I bet you had to do a lot of um, counseling and coaching and advocating for those kids. Absolutely. Um, You know, and the other part too, that I think a lot of parents struggle with is um, kids need time to figure out their identity. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes a kid will come out as one thing and then their understanding of themselves will grow and shift and they kind of have to come out again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I experienced that myself coming out as queer and then coming out as trans. Um, it It is a growth process. Um, and oftentimes we kind of pin people down to a specific identity because that is who we have known them as and it is who we are comfortable with. We have nostalgia for memories we've experienced with that person. Um, and we somehow ascribe to them claiming their identity that they are taking that away from us. Mm-hmm. Um, when in truth, those things all still exist, but someone is telling you, this is who I am. Um, and I want that to be honored who we are gender wise does certainly matter deeply, uh, especially to people who experience gender dysphoria, all those things, but certainly it shouldn't be. Yes. It shouldn't be a way in which people judge us fundamentally as good or bad. Um, That is not a binary that should exist any more than the gender binary. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, what I like to say is, you know, it's such an arbitrary thing to be angry at somebody about. Yeah. Or hate somebody about. What if, you know, what if you had green eyes and suddenly everybody was like, you know what? People with green eyes are evil, horrible people. I'm just going to. I'm just going to start hating everybody with green eyes. I see. I mean, it feels so arbitrary and like. It speaks though very much to the fact that we all have internalized homophobia, internalized transphobia, internalized racism. That is the result of being in a society that socializes us uh, towards very black and white ideas. Um, and, you know, I, I shared this with someone else today, you know, my partner and I recently um, started kind of throwing back to watching um, some of our favorite rom-coms um, mm-hmm. from the early nineties. Um, it's all the, like the Tom Hanks movies, Meg yeah. Ryan um, classics that lots of people love. And um, we started watching these and, we started to notice a pattern that in the first 30 minutes of every single one of these movies, there was a derogatory trans or queer joke, every single one of them. And it started to be a thing where we'd be like, okay, we're going to watch another movie tonight. Let's see. Let's see if in the first 30 minutes and like without fail. Really? Um, And so you ask yourself, you know, when you hear those messages all the time, when this is how society has portrayed a thing, um, it is not 
entirely surprising that people have internalized ideas about that. Um, And it doesn't, the thing I always want to remind people about internalized bias, when we call out bias, when we call out homophobia, transphobia, racism, it is not definitively saying that this is a moral judgment on this person as a bad person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all have it. <laughs> mm-hmm. We all have these internalized ideas. When we call it out and when we name it, it should actually be viewed as an opportunity to do the work, to improve ourselves, to be in better community with other people. So what do you think the work is? What what would you what do you wish um the parent of the child who said those things to your family and threw pine cones mm-hmm. at your house, what, what would they need to do? So in general about <laughs> any of the isms, <laughs> I feel like people need to one, listen to and learn about the lived experiences um, of people who are marginalized. Um, oftentimes we make assumptions or again, we get our information from, um, you know, media portrayals or television or movies, um, and sometimes actively to misinformation that is, is provided in various spaces. Um, and so I think really committing to education, to conversations with people, um, there's also a tough balance there because when you ask people to commit to education, um, sometimes they engage in asking marginalized communities to do work for them that they need to do for themselves. Well, Um, I feel like I'm doing that right now and putting the burden (laughs) on you to educate people in this podcast. I've struggled with it, but I, I wanted to give you a platform and a voice and a way to. Yeah. I think it's an important thing to to ask people and give people opportunities, but also to respect when people offer that they have a boundary and they say, you know, this is not a thing that I'm prepared to talk about, or actually there are some really great resources on the internet that I would love to direct you towards so that you can spend some time learning about a thing. And I also find it much easier to, engage in these kinds of conversations with someone like yourself, who I know has already done some work. You have made an investment through your own personal situation in learning about the situation. Um, So you are potentially less likely to ask questions that are triggering (laughs) um, or, or harmful to an individual. Um, And also if you happen to ask one of those questions and I said to you, you know, that's a really hard thing for me to talk about, Mm -hmm. you would be more mindful of those boundaries. Whereas sometimes when people haven't done that work and you tell them that's not an okay question to ask me, they get really defensive or, well, you said you want me to learn about this thing. Why won't you teach me now? Um, And that becomes a whole different hard conversation. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, as as woke as I feel sometimes, I get knocked on my butt when I realize that I don't know something and it does kind of hurt because I feel stupid. But, you know, I always want to learn, you know, I know that not everybody knows everything. So I think it's so important for us all to have humility that we're continuing to learn about a thing, um, you know, and and 
it was interesting because I had heard to some people say that, you know, they weren't going to go back on the pride proclamation um, and, and go ahead and do it because it would be more bad press for Holly Springs to change their mind. Um, and in actuality for me, <laughs> um, one of the best things that we can model for our kids is that we learn new information that our perspective can shift um, and that we can honor people by making those changes in a public way and mm-hmm. acknowledging where we might be wrong about a thing. Right. Um, it's actually one of the things that we see happening the least with adult conversation and dialogue um, around lots of issues. Um, and, and how do our kids learn that then? Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Um, I, I totally like lost track of why I even was sitting here talking to you because you're such an engaging and fun and interesting person. But the whole reason that I wanted to talk to you now is because it is technically still Pride Month. It is. And um, you and I and a lot of other people we know and a lot of people that we don't know, I'm sure, are kind of frustrated that um, that Holly Springs did not um, have a Pride Month proclamation. Um, that was something that it's entirely at the um, – the decision rests entirely on the mayor of Holly Springs. It doesn't have anything to do with town council members. Um, but um, the mayor decided that he did not want to make that proclamation. And he said to me personally, because I wrote to him about, you know, my experience, um, you know, parenting someone in the LGBTQIA plus mm-hmm. community, um, he said to me that he thought that Holly Springs was welcoming already and we did not need that. And – I beg to differ. Um, and it sounds like you have not had a very kumbaya, warm yeah. and fuzzy experience all the time here either. Right. And again, it comes back to me to the lens of privilege. Um, you know, when we come from a place where we experience a great deal of privilege, um, and that being areas of our identity that do not encounter systemic barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, it is easy to say, yeah, everything seems really welcoming here. Right. Um, because the way that you navigate the world, you're not encountering those things. Mm-hmm. So I understand that lens. Mm-hmm. But particularly when we talk about government, it is immensely important that we pull back from a personal lens and we say, who is not at this table being represented? And if we look at town council, <laughs> yeah. there are no black folks on town council. Right. There are no queer folks, to my knowledge, on town right. council. Um, there are probably a lot of areas there that are not represented. And so there has to be an active effort made to seek out those voices in order to to include them in the conversation, particularly when it's something like an NDO, um, a non-discrimination ordinance or a pride proclamation, because who is the community that is most affected by those things? Um, So those are the folks that you want to be talking to about what the need is, because Mm -hmm. if you say from that lens of privilege, I don't think we need this thing. 
and that thing is something that impacts marginalized communities, it it sounds like a really unfair assessment. <laughs> right. Because, you know, how would you know if you aren't, right. you know, if you don't have any of that um, in your lived experience, how do you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I remember um, at uh, the town council meeting, the first one in June that I attended, um, there were several people who stood up and spoke. Uh, the mm. president of the Gay Straight Alliance at Holly Springs High School spoke about yes. things that their, um, you know, club members had experienced, mm-hmm. and you know, people stood up and talked about their own experiences. And a business owner stood up and said, "It's the right thing to do." Great. Um, and here we are. It's. June 27th, and it does not look like it's going to happen. Holly Springs has gotten some really crappy press about this. Um, Mm -hmm. There's been a big article in Indie Week about it. Um, The big companies that are building facilities here that are getting ready to hire a bunch of people here, they all seem to have very um, well-fleshed-out diversity, equity, and inclusivity statements and their, right. you know, corporate vibe, zeitgeist right? yeah. culture. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is the part that gets real interesting for me because um, this is actually what I left teaching to do. Um, mm-hmm. I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. Okay. <laughs> um, and so um yeah you you start to look at the situation through that specific lens a DEI lens um and it there is reason for concern mm-hmm. um i know some of the town council members referenced in their emails back to people that the town council has committed uh to diversity equity and inclusion work um uh, or some sort of equity programming. And I asked specifically what that was and nobody's been able to tell me. <laughs> um, so um, it sounds to me like that work hasn't been done yet, <laughs> which is important in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, when we left the last town council meeting, um, I encountered several of uh, our community members who had spoken against the NDO mm-hmm. um, at the meeting. And um, I engaged in conversation with them as one tries to do with our community right. and our neighbors. Um, and I was told that if I am discriminated against and someone in this town does not want to offer me accommodation, accommodations, goods or services, that I should just go to the next town over. Um, that this town shouldn't have to do anything special for me. Um, but it's not we, special. It's just correct. selling you a cake or... Right. When we talk about equity and inclusion and diversity, it, it, it just means that people are getting the same access to services. Um, I shouldn't have to go the next town over. And mm-hmm. my question was, okay, if I'm expected to go the next town over... Do I also get some tax exemptions for living here? Is there going to be a transit plan for people like myself who need to go to Apex? Um, uh, are we also installing a trans water fountain? Because <laughs> this sounds a whole lot like yeah. a segregated yeah. mentality. 
Um, and, and that is a frightening place to be telling people that's what they should expect. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say about that other than that's horrifying and it just sucks. It just sucks and it's wrong. And I, I hate that that is what you are being told. Yeah. I think it's just evidence of the fact that every community has work to do. True. Um, and I think you have to be willing to do it. That's right. That's the thing. And, and, to acknowledge that, you know, when we say that we don't need an NDO in this community because it seems like everyone's really inclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. And <laughs> we well, are not exempt. Everybody who's saying that is white and <laughs> cisgender mm-hmm. and straight and has a family and is at least moderately wealthy. Right. We are, we are not exempt from the biases and isms that the rest of the country experiences. Right. We have not found a magic formula, which means there is absolutely still work to do. Yep. Well, I, I hope that just at least one person who has listened to this has heard what a reasonable and nice and interesting person you are. Um, Thank you. And they might decide to think again about spewing hate for just arbitrary reasons. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, it, if when somebody says they hate gay people, it cracks me up. And I know that sounds horrible, but some of the coolest and most fun and just fascinating people in the world that I know of are mm-hmm. gay somewhere in the spectrum of gender. I would, my life would not be as rich if I did not yeah. know these people. So I'm so sad for those people who have just blocked out an entire group because they yeah. are missing out on some, on some really good fellow human beings to have on their team. Absolutely. I have been very fortunate in my life in that, um, both through academia and through personal opportunities. I've had the chance to live abroad, to teach abroad. I've had the chance to travel a lot of places. I've lived in very diverse communities. And absolutely, my life is richer for having developed real trusting um true relationships that honor boundaries and that honor people's differences and invite people into your life. Um, I would not be the same person without those opportunities. Um, and I, I wish them for everyone. <laughs> it's, it's pretty boring to hang out with just a different person of right? yourself all the time. You know, <laughs> I like the spice. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's what makes the world Absolutely. go round. So. Jack, you deserve so much better than you have seen lately. Um, But just know that there are so many people here who honor you and respect you and value you and are so happy that you're here. 
And I absolutely believe that. And thank you so much. Yeah. I, I know it's easy to say, but please try to focus as much as you can on all of the people you have met just in the last month trying to, you know, activate some good here in town with with regard to the NDO and the and the Pride Proclamation. I mean Indeed. I'm super everywhere fortunate. Now. I see, I see your name everywhere now. Everybody yeah. knows you. So <laughs> it's true. And I am super fortunate in that my my partner is the most violently happy person that I know. Um and so I always have joy in my life, no matter yeah. what is is happening in the world. Um and we're very mindful, um, especially with the type of work that we both do of centering joy in as many things as we can. Um, so that we are strong and revitalized to do the work that uh, is needed in community. Well, so. you said that your partner um, is a former cheerleader, so they are <laughs> ideal suited. They are ideally <laughs> suited to spreading joy. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yep. <laughs> well, I feel I feel really blessed that you took an hour out of your night on a weeknight to talk to me and. Um, try to educate some people who I hope are willing to listen. And, you know, like we've determined in this conversation, um, e- even the most enlightened people have work to do and things to learn. So I've learned stuff from this conversation. I've misspoken yeah. and, you know, it, it is what it is and I will do better next time and all of the things. So I thank yeah. you for talking to me and um, all the education you've provided me tonight. So much gratitude. It has really been a pleasure. I appreciate okay. it. All right. Thanks. You did a good job. You're Thank you're gonna you. do great with the DEI thing. I just know it. Oh, I'm excited about it. It's um it's tough work, but it's I, I say it's hard work and it's heart work. Mm-hmm. Well, you you seem really good at it. You seem very suited, I have to say. Thank you. This episode was written, recorded, and produced by me, Karen Shore, with music by Doug Maxwell and Meteorite Productions. Be well, friends. Until next time. 